To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome everyone to Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast with no direction. What's up, everybody? You know that song, you know this voice. That's right, it's your boy Rook. Joining me as always is the man who keeps me going. It's Mr. Don Moore. Oh, hello, everybody. <laughs> and our guests, returning again, two of our favorite human beings. It's JL Draco and Lindsay G of Oneshi Press. Hey, we're so happy to be here. Thank you so much. much. You guys are awesome. Although, bold of you to assume that we're both human beings. Uh, Okay, you could be lizard people in disguise. I'm not saying we are. I'm just saying we could be. I haven't not heard rumors of Lindsay being a Doom Beast destroyer of worlds. (laughs) Yes, yes. And quite a few people do refer to me as a dragon. So... Hey, you know, there's there's some wiggle room on the species, is all I'm saying. Two of my favorite beings on this planet. (laughs) Yes, perfect. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Guys, it's always so much fun to have you guys on the show. And it's a pleasure to be here. You you so awesomely reached out to me and were like, hey, we're getting ready for a new issue of PAC. We want you to have the other the first three so you can read them. Not like I wasn't going to be there for the fourth issue, but now I have all three, and I'm going. Oh man, I can't wait for this next one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's great to hear. Awesome. But I gotta tell you know we, we've talked about Pack before, but as someone who worked in dog rescue, this book hits me in a way uh, that just it 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 hurts sometimes like it and it's like issue two i gotta tell you issue two was was hard you yeah. know with this with the theft and the dog fighting and just because i've seen that yeah personally yeah and it's it's brutal there's a reason for that big old um you know uh, content warning, warning on yeah. the front. And, yeah. you know, we do definitely, we made it a point not to show anything brutal or at oh, least mm-hmm. to skirt it as much as yes. possible. Um, please don't chew on that, Fern. Sorry. Sorry. Our kitten is in the <laughs> chewing on everything phase of his life. <laughs> Especially the crinkliest things he can find. Yeah. The crinklier, the better, you know. If it makes a really solid crinkle, like that's his, his jam. All about. Uh, Gotta go murder. So, you know, it it is uh, something that even in in illustrating it was really hard. I remember my uh, letterer wrote to me and was like, geez, Jail, (laughs) you didn't give me a bit of a warning first. I was like, oh, Oh, shit. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We didn't have the uh, cover and all that when I sent it to her. So she didn't get the content warning, and I was like, ah, I should have. I'm so sorry. Yeah, she's a but, lover, too. <laughs> um, you know, that said, these dogs do have, I won't say happy endings, but they, they find their pack, you know, through yeah. through the pain. They are not broken, and through the pack, 
they have some solace and they heal each other. Um, and I think that's, you know, what we all look for, right? Is our pack to kind of heal with and mend with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's difficult working, working on a series like this because we are, we're dealing with really heavy subjects, but we don't want it to be like abjectly depressing either. Um, but it feels important that that we talk about all of the issues involved in the PAC series, you know, issues of of social justice and, um, you know, gentrification and crime. And these animals are really wrapped up in all of that, as is real in the real world. Um, so it's a it's a delicate balance to figure out how to tell the story in a way that's compelling and exciting and truthful, but like I said, not just abjectly depressing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that being said, I want everyone to know, this is a bit of a spoiler, that all of the dogs get through the entire series. So this isn't one of those things where you can't read it because all the dogs are going to die. It's not It's not a oh. Disney movie. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. I'm so happy. Gonna make it. <laughs> I don't think I could keep reading if, like, if they start going, if they start dying. <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't want to do that to people. Because, um, you know, dog lovers know that that's a trope, and we want dog lovers to read this series. <laughs> yeah. And also, we love these dogs. I mean, um, each issue of the series goes into the backstory of one of the members of the pack. So the first six issues are all going to be talking about how each dog ended up, you know, on the streets fighting crime. And uh, it's no, important. To sometimes us doing a, crime, they're fighting bad guys. True, true. That's a, a fine. We'll make distinction. a distinction. It's just it sounds great to say dogs fighting crime. Yeah, but sometimes <laughs> you know, sometimes they're fighting people that are upholding the law. Sometimes they're doing crime. Sometimes yeah. you know, it's it's not always black and white. Um, yeah, and by the time we uh, we reach issue four, which is going to be the next one that we're launching, um, they are squarely on the wrong side of the law. There's actually a task force that's been assigned to round them up and bring them in. Yes, very much alluded to at the end of issue three that that's going to be happening. And, yeah. you know, it's 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 worrisome for the pack. I mean, I, I would be I'd be very concerned because they've they've lost their their hideout, really. Um, and, you know, Lindsay, you mentioned gentrification. Uh, it's it's playing a heavy role in the first three issues and as someone who lives in an area that is being heavily gentrified um you know it's it, it's it's such it, it it's taking away what so many people fought so hard to preserve and i i just it irrit gentrification irritates me to no end <laughs> and my little town is is going through it but where the locals are fighting back a lot by opening small businesses and like pushing back and saying, no, we don't want this in this, in these areas. Oh, uh, that is. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're a mean bunch around here, <laughs> 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 but it, it, the gentrification issue is, is very well addressed in this in this series uh, and it's i find it very interesting how how much that's being talked about as well what what 
there's so much going on in these issues, you know, between the dogs, uh, gentrification, corruption. I mean, you've written such a robust story here. Like, thanks. What? what is what is it that you're trying to say with with the gentrification and and how it's affecting this neighborhood? That's <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I mean, a lot of it comes from jail and my experience uh, living in Brooklyn, um, where he lived for many years. I lived in the Bronx for a long time and Harlem and then Brooklyn and saw the same things happening in every neighborhood that I lived in. Um, And, you know, it's important that I say that I was on sort of like the leading edge of the gentrification process by moving to places that I could afford, um, which was not, I was never making a whole lot of money. Um, But then like I would move in and within a few years I would start to see, uh, you know, the Starbucks going in on the corner and you know the the deli on the corner getting fancier and fancier food and so on um and seeing the people who had lived you know next door to me and across the street from me being forced out um and so it's you know it's a it's something that i i wanted to write and jail wanted to draw because it I had a lot of feelings about it yeah, we've lost, um, um, you know, a, a lot of our comfort places and a lot of our friends had lost homes. And, yeah. you know, it's there is a lot of an systemic kind of yeah. classism and racism involved. Um, and, you know, I don't approach those topics lightly. I know that they're very hot button topics and they're very emotionally charged topics so we try to treat them as delicately and as sensitively as possible but without cowering from them like if we if we hide from topics that are confusing and challenging and dangerous to talk about they continue to get more confusing and dangerous and challenging right so the more we approach them and talk about them and the more open we are and the more honest we are and humble we've had you know quite a few um sensitivity consultations uh, even one from a professional sensitivity consultant editor and that's literally her career and you know like uh, and then also just talking to a bunch of friends about their lived experiences. Um, you know, uh, that's something that I think shouldn't be shied away from in our in our art. I mean, yeah. some people, it's okay if, like, that's not your bag. But I think it is our bag. We're, we're bleeding hearts. We, you know, <laughs> wear that badge on our sleeves. We, you know... We wear it with honor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Charge in. But, you know, I think, like, I think that the word confusing that you were using, JL, is a good one for topics like this. Because um, it's all, it is really complex. And I actually think that, like, kind of the takeaway of this series <coughs> is 
that these issues are complex and they are intertwined mm. um, so deeply. And I, I, it's the kind of thing where, like, um, you know, from the outside looking in, sometimes you hear the word gentrification and you think, okay, like, what, avocado toast? And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what people are uh, accusing Gen Z and millennials of right now, but whatever it is <laughs> that those people are doing, that's what they think, you know, gentrification looks like. And that is one part of it. But it goes so much deeper and it the experiences of the people who are affected by it um, are vastly different depending on where you sort of land in the, the strata of society. Um, and it's not just that, you know, rich white kids move in and other people move out. There's also the businesses and um, the law enforcement and the politics and everyone who is involved in for lack of a Real better estate, term I mean, yeah urban planning yeah. is involved in this in some way and so while we have this group of you know vigilantes on the street who are you know trying to fight quote unquote crime or quote unquote bad guys it's not that simple you know people being forced out of their homes and turning to petty crime so that they can survive is just one symptom um, symptom of a much larger machine. And yeah. so what we're trying to show is that this affects everyone from the top to the bottom and the bottom in this case being dogs. <laughs> that's, that's not usually who we're talking about in conversations about gentrification, but they are very much a part of it, just like with anything else that humans do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it, it's very true that people don't look at the the overall of of everything, and you're really encompassing so much with this story. Uh, I am I am curious. Will we find out the backstory of patience in the yes. last issue? Is, is, yes, is that, I will last happily say backstory? we will break your heart with Patience's backstory. Oh. We will break your heart wide open. You'll enjoy it, though. <laughs> uh, that, that, we have that seventh issue planned out. That is for Patience, yeah. Um, each, each issue is one of the dog's backstories, and the seventh is Patience. Yep. I am. I, that's the one I'm, I'm waiting to find out, because, like, I see so much in patients that I, I I recognize in in dog rescuers oh uh, wow yeah so just in three issues I can recognize the founder of the rescue that I work with <laughs> myself and a handful of others that have worked with this rescue over the years so I I am very much looking forward to seeing where patients came from <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think probably some of those attributes are something you would find in any kind of rescuer um, situation. You know, there's like like his gritty, like tough guy, this feeling of like, man, you do wish you could just find the bad guy and just frickin' punch him in the face with spiked gloves, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. isn't that a feeling that we all just kind of 
have sometimes, especially when we really do feel like our anger is feckless and there's nothing to do with it. Like when we're just mad at the way things are. Um, who is the bad guy that we could just walk up to and punch? Sometimes it's simple. Sometimes there is someone abusing animals that patients can go walk up to and punch. But sometimes it's a complex system that he can't even get his head around. Yeah. And no one involved is 100% to blame. Everyone's culpable, but like it's messy. You know, yeah. everyone is just riding this gravy train, but who's the conductor? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I am curious about with so much subject matter behind this book, what was the driving force to make it center around this pack of dogs? Where did that idea come from? So JL had the original concept. And then together we've developed it and I've done the writing for it. But I'm going to let him take this one because it was sure. originally his. So me and a few friends were walking around hungover New Year's Day, I want to say 2010. Um, and we were like, oh, man, you know, could you imagine how much it would suck to be like homeless right now? Like, fuck, like just having this really like. Someone, I don't know why, but, you know, one of us, we were all just talking about it because the apartment that they were all living in was, the the owners were threatening to, like, basically, I don't know, close it and cut the lease and kick them out or something. And it was just like, so we were just talking about it. It was a really heavy thought. Um, but we were also hungover and we were like, all right, let's not be so heavy right now, you know, like. Maybe maybe we could, like, snuggle up with some dogs in this imaginary scenario, you know? It's kind of goofy, right? And then it was like, yeah, that would be great protection, too. Oh, and they could hunt and get food? And it was like, well, what are they going to hunt in this city? It's like, bad guys, you know? Like, <laughs> so it was all very tongue-in-cheek. Um, but then we were like, wait, that's a freaking cool idea. Like, that should be a comic book. Uh, so we started talking about it, and, you know, like what we did like and what we didn't like. And me and this other friend, we kind of started designing it a little bit, but he didn't really have much input story-wise. It was just a little bit of the joking around that led to the inception. So I was kind of left with this concept and I was like, no, I really want to do this, but like, I don't know how to write this and I just want to illustrate it. And I, at the time, didn't even know how to illustrate comics. Like I had to learn how to illustrate comics just to do this comic. Um, so like this was something that I'd been toying with and had redrafted and redrafted several times over the course of like a year or two. And then I had met Lindsay and she had scripted Tracy Queen and was like, I am not going to be able to illustrate this. Like, you know, like I have this script, I need an illustrator. And I was like, I have these illustrations, I need a writer. <laughs> and so we were like, hey, let's trade, you know, like I'll illustrate Pac and Tracy Queen if you write them both. And so, you know, the rest was history. Yeah, it's been a really interesting process, too, because this is not the type of thing that I write left to my own devices, the sort of like gritty, urban, like noir, you know, I tend to write stuff that's a lot weirder, <laughs> um, like a lot, a lot more out there, I should say. Um, 
So it's been a real process to sort of like get into the mindset of this, this slightly more real world. It's like clearly not our world, but it's closer to our world than most of the things that I write. I and to like, get into sorry. sort of a like a an intricate, tightly plotted, like it's a thriller, really. I think there's a lot of like um, mm. it's it's got a slow build, but it's got that like steady beat of you know. Plot. Like just development. And yeah, development and, and yeah. what's the word? Um, <laughs> suspense. That's it. Um, that's. Been, <laughs> I, was I was like anxiety. <laughs> no, suspense. <laughs> um, so it's it's been a journey to sort of teach myself how to do that, and I actually really think that um, with issue four, the newest one they're coming out with, it's we're really getting into like the meat of it. It feels really good because I think I've actually done there's a really a good job of building of it up. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like moments where you're just like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Um, even as I'm illustrating it, I'm just like, uh-oh, <laughs> like, what, what am I going to draw next? You know? And I always read the script before I start to illustrate, but there's still those emergent properties that kind of come out because whatever you draw in the last panel you have to keep consistent to the next panel. And so things still have like this developmental life to them. Um, it feels suspenseful. Yay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that is the But word, I would yeah. say uh, even like Pac and Tracy Queen are both in this kind of odd world that's like just, it's left of center and just like a veil away from this world you know yeah um but i feel like the same is true about like Dwayne and monkey maids like they're all kind of in this oneshi verse you know yeah. like there's tarmux exists in all of them right. Schwiski, you know like mr I, guy I, is a comic in all of them you know i um, do want to point out that uh so tracy queen and pack are have the the most overlap like direct overlap they actually exist in the same version of brooklyn um but in tracy queen we have a talking raccoon as one of the main characters and in pack we have six dogs who don't talk (laughs) yeah and there's a reason for that there's backstory to the raccoon situation but i think it's kind of funny that those are like the some of the main characters of both stories in the same world and yet they're vastly different you know, you you say you say that, but then in in issue three of Pack, uh, I do notice that Temperance kind of communicates with patients in a way. Yeah. Like, like there there is a an unspoken communication between the two of them. Like, I feel like they they talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just you know he's not like, hey, patience. It's like you know yeah. there's like eye language and body language and like his ears and you know um, I wanted to really really put a fine point on that communication being subtle and believable and realistic. Like anyone who knows dogs would be like, yeah, I see that. Like I know what that look means and would get it. Um, without it having to be 
cartoonified and personified. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, like I love a talking dog movie just as much as the next person. Um, but I wanted to also show that like dogs do talk. Um, yeah. Temperance, especially because he is. I, I think Temperance is able to communicate more. More, more, more directly. Yeah. And, and sort of bigger concepts than the other dogs. Is um, because yeah. he's got that whole implant thing we don't really know how it works or exactly well, we do but well, the audience yes, yes. doesn't yeah. you don't I, I, I assume you know how it works yeah we know how it works um, uh, but yeah i mean it's it's interesting though isn't it like anyone who has spent any amount of time with dogs knows that dogs can talk they can oh. clearly talk to each other i mean i don't understand half of what goes on between dogs but it's very intricate <laughs> Dog politics is serious stuff, you know? Um, I mean, we were just watching um, our upstairs neighbor's dog for a week, and, you know, like, he's not even our dog. Like, we don't have that super close personal bond, but I understood him pretty pretty well. You know, like, I could tell what he was wanting, what he was thinking, what he was asking for, what he was suggesting, what he was bothered by. I mean, you know, it's all right there on the face, you know? Yeah, and the tail. I can I mean, tell what the dog's thinking better than I can tell what most people are thinking, <laughs> you know. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's, it's funny. I I got into I got into dog rescue after trying to do other things, and I just I felt the dogs appreciated it more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, I hate saying that because I mean. I, I really tried with some other things, but like, yeah. you know, I, I felt like the dogs just appreciated what you were doing so much more. Now. Yeah, uh, after having watched our neighbor's dog for a week, uh, it really throws into sharp relief how little our cats seem to appreciate what we do for them. They're like, yeah, I guess that's okay, but you really could give me more treats. Than right. That. You, you could, know, like you could do better. You could have gotten better treats. <laughs> Is that just fresh salmon? What? Ew. Psh, we had that last week. You know, it's like, come on, guys. Well, well, you have to remember, dogs are pets, and cats are there for us to serve them. Right, yes, right. we are their pets. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, it's funny because I, I grew up with dogs, you know, I love dogs and we're very, we're very blessed to live in a very dog friendly town. Um, and we don't have a dog right now because we have two cats and that's, you know, plenty of animals in our, our small house. Um, but I, I love being around dogs and I love being able to watch somebody else's dog. And it's really, it, you're right. It's just so good to have dogs around. Um and I, so we live in Missoula, Montana, and I realized recently that I have become a true Missoulian because I recognize people by their dogs instead of yeah. their faces. <laughs> it's happened multiple times with very good friends of mine that I don't even look at the human, but I see the dog and I'm like, oh, hey. Like, oh, is that so-and-so? Oh, that must be so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you yep. recognize, yeah, totally. It happens a lot, actually. The, the, the founder of the rescue I work with, uh, she can see a dog after years and be like, oh, that's da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, the, the oh. dog was a puppy when it left us. How do you know that? That's amazing. Huh. Uh, yeah. Well, she, so she's awesome. what about this person reminds you of patience? 
Um, so Dev is an extremely strong individual. She takes no crap. Um, she has literally, after having someone bring a dog to a, to the ASPCA, with them fully knowing where she works, who she is, even what car she was driving, walked straight into a gangbanger's house and removed the dogs from the property with the police. Oh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she she is unbelievable with the things that she she does. I mean, me personally, I think to myself, I'm like, why did you go? Yeah. You, you didn't yeah. need to be there. And she's like, no, I needed to. To be there, you know. Uh, so she is just, you know, she's all of like I don't know, five foot one, and wow. <laughs> I mean she is just she is fire. I mean I, I would pity anyone who pisses her off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Dogs need advocates like that. Oh yeah, yeah. She um. She she's well known for going to uh, in, in the local court system. She's well known for showing up at court to the abuser's court case with the dog that they abused in tow. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just here. Here's here's one case. Um. A animal hoarding case where one of my dogs came from. Uh. And this is where I see myself in patience because i wanted to go burn this person's house down uh, <laughs> yeah that feeling of wrath right yeah um she went to the court uh, hearing and in the end typically with animal abuse one dog is one case of animal abuse with what she presented to the court that day the judge decided that one dog had three things wrong with it that was three cases of animal abuse. Oh, wow. They removed over 100 animals from this property. Oh, my God. 100 animals? Each oh, each ailment for the dogs, the cats, the pig, and the horse became one case of an- one charge of animal abuse. Wow. wow. It was, there was over 1,000 charges. Oh, my Jeez. God. Yeah. That's incredible. Yep. Uh, That's she's a special also kind of Yeah. Oh yeah. It, yeah. Um, like I said, I I actually made a phone call and wanted to know where the house was, and I was told no. <laughs> <laughs> that was the you only reply. That phone before, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds went, like you're talking no. through a metal dog oh, mask. No. What is that? <laughs> uh, yeah. She's also partially responsible for the animal abuse registry which is a registry, unfortunately does not always work, but we have it at least. Uh, when someone is charged with animal abuse, uh, they become part of a registry and we now can search their name if they try to adopt an animal out of any shelter or rescue group cool. and we can find them on that registry yeah. and know they cannot have an animal. That's, That's really good yeah. to know that that exists. Is it just local to your area or is it everywhere? It's in the state of Florida. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That needs to be a national thing, I think. Yeah. That'd be great. It's, 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 it, all right, here comes my dog rescue talk. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Um, 
In the state of Florida, animals are seen as property. Therefore, the owner can do with what, how, and what they decide, including but not limited to euthanizing their own animal through means of their own discretion. This was brought up into the court cases because an individual used a 45 caliber bullet to put their dog down. The frightening reality is, is that they walked away with zero charges. That's that's the kind of things that you see when you deal with dog rescue. Um, Disciplinary actions done by people like taking hammers to tails. Um, Jesus. I can. can This episode needs to have a content Content warning. warning. Yeah. 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 Content warning. (laughs) Um, Well, it is, I mean, like like I was saying before, it's difficult to know how to how to talk about these things because on the one hand it's like, you know, you don't wanna you don't wanna traumatize anyone, you don't wanna you don't wanna cause pain and offense to people. But at the same time, these are real issues. These are real things don't that happen. want people to be naive to them. Right, exactly. It's it's tough. Yeah. And I, I would imagine, yeah, working in dog rescue, you've really you've seen it you know about it i grew up in a home where um my father was a veterinarian and my sister is now a veterinarian and um these are they both my father when i was a kid and my sister now work in very rural areas um so there's not as much of a, a concentration of you know the need for animal rescue but it's still there and so i <laughs> have heard my father's rants uh, on multiple occasions, as has JL a few times, about the way that people treat their animals, yeah. and it it is, I don't know, it's a sickness. Yeah. I don't know what else to call it, but I, it yeah. does happen, and I don't want people to have to be exposed to it, because I don't want it to happen in the first place, but it's, it's a reality, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. The whole property thing is really uh, yeah. Yeah. a lot of the ability to believe that it's okay to do harm stems yeah. from like you know you talk about like dehumanizing um people but it's also like with animals it's there's got to be a word like dehumanizing but like desentientizing <laughs> yeah where yeah. it's just like oh it's property therefore it's not alive well there's there are more and more pushes going on all over the world to grant legal personhood right. to animals and other like naturally occurring entities. I actually heard that um, Ireland is trying to grant the land of Ireland personhood. That's awesome. Um, so you know I think I think we're moving in the right direction, sort of generally speaking, but on a day to day person to person basis, we've got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah, we do. And I think you guys are doing an awesome, awesome job addressing it in in, in this series. You know, I like I said, I'm, I'm greatly looking forward to issue four. It's it's actually going to be my first Kickstarter of the new year. Awesome. Ooh, ours too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Explain them about your Kickstarter restriction, Rook. <laughs> uh, are you restricted? <laughs> um, it, kind of, uh, you know. Um, I, I I got a little out of hand last year. Have you been given a Kickstarter allowance? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You know, 
mean, I was only supposed <laughs> to be doing like, you know, 20 bucks here and there. And I was dropping like 60, 80 bucks on, on different various Kickstarters yeah. multiple times a month. Yeah, us too. They've got really cool stuff. Really, yeah, and you want to support people, and yeah, it's yeah, I know. It's so you so just got to be choosy. So we're glad you're choosing Pack. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Pack Four is basically his first first movement out of restriction. So I take the hats off. <laughs> no, uh, real reality situation. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not restricted. My wife's not, you know. Uh, but uh, the reality is, like many of us out here right now, um, times are hard. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. you know, we have to we have to be careful with what we're spending and where we're spending it. Um, and you know, it's you know, I choose to spend with people I enjoy their work and people who i mean bring something to the table that's just absolutely above and beyond like you guys oh yay thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah it's really interesting especially this issue of pack i did most of the writing quite a while ago and then um we didn't actually start putting it into production for a while and i just right before we got on this call I reread the script and I was like, well, this is pretty good. <laughs> good job, Lindsay. Kind of See, I've been back. working on it because I've been doing the pencils. So I'm like, I'm like all in the meat of it, you know, and Lindsay is like, hasn't looked at it yet for how long? A few months. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I forgot some of the finer points of what happens because um, I've been working on, you know, like putting the Kickstarter page together and getting the rewards all planned out. And it's a completely different set of skills and brain activity than when you're actually making the creative work itself. So it's refreshing to go back in and be like, yeah, you know what? I think this is, this is a good series. I'm doing it right. That's I, awesome. I was first, I saw Pac when you sent us that, um, the very first time we talked and you sent us the anthology. Oh you, yeah. Yeah. You introduced Pac, you introduced Tracy Queen and on that episode, you're the first comic we, re we reviewed on the show, by the way. Really? Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> no but, way. Uh, Amazing. Well, because some of the guys on the show would say on the show, uh, if you got a comic you want reviewed, send it to us. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, nobody did. You did. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. But Brooke was excited. I just remember about Pac, because, again, Dog Rescue, he related to Amazing. it. Amazing. But it just had, um, I'm guessing there was four or five pages yeah, uh, I think it was there's eight probably eight, eight pages in the, okay. in the first anthology. But yeah, it was different. It was a lot different reading the first issue. It was 36 pages, and um, I remember the pages in it, but it was a it was a different read. It was a different animal. I mean, I enjoyed them both, but just reading a few pages and then reading the whole thing. Um. The question I have, and I do appreciate, like on the second one, when you had the, disc you know, the warning, it, it wasn't much, but I saw it on the cover, kind of, you know, subtle. I'm glad you had that on there. Now, the third issue, Lindsay, you wrote a thing about, I guess it's been, it, there was some time went by between two and three. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. you're talking about how you kind of, you know, change some of it and roast some of it because things have changed around you, which is what always happens whenever you're putting something together. Yeah. 
but I'm guessing jail. It was a, a while between you doing art chores on between two and three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see a big difference. Uh, the artwork really matured. I mean, the artwork was good from the beginning, but it really matured in three. Uh, one thing I'm really surprised in the story was how you guys are bagging on your coffee place constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you know, we love it. We love to eat on it. (laughs) We love Starbucks. It's our favorite brand, but it it is born of lampooning and satire. So, you know, it's like the fact that we keep bagging on it in pack, but also Tracy Queen loves it. So in in Tracy Queen... (laughs) Tarmux is like her her fuel source, you know. But in pack, Tarmux is like like patients hates it. You won't drink yeah. that, you know. Um, so it's just kind of omnipresent, you know. We just have have to mention it, whether well, it's mentioned in a good light or a bad I light. I think for you patients, know? it may not even be so much a taste thing as a a principles. Thing, yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. this, this coffee be. taking over the damn neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he yeah, did yeah. say that the gross, the diner that was there before made better coffee. Yeah. Which but, um, is usually true in my experience. The diner on the corner usually makes better coffee than the chains. Well, my question was, why does the cop buy him a coffee every time? Because all he does is crush the cup. <laughs> <laughs> Ever hopeful James McHaggart. Officer James McHaggart is just one of those people that just has, you know, rose-colored goggles and is ever hopeful that things will get better, including interpersonal situations, including (laughs) his career, including the world around him. You know, if he just keeps doing good and being nice, it'll work out. Yeah, um, This comic is, I think, a seven-issue series of James McHaggart being slowly disabused of his delusions. So, you know. You know. We should write, like, a little side story sometime about James and Patience planning to meet at a Tarmux. And instead of just getting black coffee like he always does, he should get him some, like, super frou-frou <laughs> drink with, like, tons of whipped cream and, like, sprinkles and stuff on it. And patients will be like, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah that'll be the one time. <laughs> Finally breaks and gets to drink some. Right. <laughs> Carefully sips it to the last drop. So Peppermint mocha is delicious. It's an interesting thing you said about the art changing because it's something, you know, I'm trying not to like, I'm constantly resisting the urge to George Lucas it and go back and fix everything up and like update everything. You asked me the other day if it would be acceptable to do that with something. I don't think it was Pac, but he very specifically was like, do you think I should go back and George Lucas Every now and then I do that. Every now and then I'm like, every now and then I'll go back and edit something or fix something up so that in the reprint it'll be better or more the way I want it. I did that with the entire book of Great Nations from Children of Gaia. Um, the entire second edition, I think, is what I wanted the first edition to be. Well, but you didn't change the story. I didn't change the story. I just updated the art, updated right. my compositing. But, um, you know, I do think that issue three, Temperance, I grew a lot and I, I did a lot more with my craft uh, between issue two and issue three. And I think that we'll also see... I hope the same caliber of leap between issue three and issue four, mm-hmm. um, where I really am continuing to push the envelope on 
what I want this to look like, uh, which is different than my Children of Gaia comics. It's also different than my Tracy Queen art, even though Tracy Queen and Pack take place in the same world. They have a different kind of um, texture, a different vibe, a different like aesthetic. But um, in terms of like, you know, just continuously working on anatomy and perspective and techniques like that. Sure, those are getting better, too. But it makes me feel like, well, does that mean one isn't good enough? Like, should I go back and redo one? Just like John said, it's a completely different animal. Yeah, it's a different animal. When when you started working on PAC, you were doing traditional, like, hand drawings. Yeah, I didn't even have And then scanning them and doing the colors digitally. And now he's doing... With a mouse. Yeah, (laughs) with a mouse. Mouse. Click, 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 click. Yeah, I didn't even have a tablet. I literally colored it with a mouse. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And since then, (laughs) he has switched to doing, you know, fully digital work and has gotten really good at doing fully digital work. So, yeah, it's it has changed and matured a lot over the course of the series already. Thanks. One thing one thing I want to say on that. Every artist always wants to I guess a lot of artists kind of cringe at, you know, what they had done in the past. And you can't help but improve the more you do it. And I don't think Sometimes there is something that really bothers you. You might go change like you just talked about. But I don't think everything should be redone. Sure. I'd like to see the progression. And if you look at at the most seasoned professionals at the mainstream comic companies, you can see a huge difference of when they started within a year or two. And, um, And sometimes you have some artists people complain they start out really detailed uh, Hernandez brothers you know the love and rockets fame as they went on their work got more simplified I mean they're masters of what they're doing yeah but people complain about they want to see more detail well Alex Toth was another one they started getting more and more simple you know working with forms which was incredible mm. but there was an energy and a love to their early work and I would I would be sad if I would have saw them go back and redo all their old stuff. Mm-hmm. They may cringe on it. I didn't. And um and when I'm saying this, I saw a massive progression in three compared to the other two, and that's not putting down the other two. But even the color, the color work was a big leap forward. And uh, but don't don't go redrawing the other two issues. Just work on new stuff. You know, yeah. don't be George Lucas, even though he's everything. <laughs> 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 well, well and it'll be interesting too. Um, issue four is going to have a, an even more different look because we're now working with an inker. Um, no. So the you know the lines are just going to be different. And uh, he actually has already done the first chapter, like the first eight pages of the new issue, and he has a I don't I don't know art terminology, but he has um. Sort of a simplified line style, actually, I think. And I think it's really working. I really like the way it looks. So it's going to be cool to see JL working with somebody else's ink work over his pencils and then coloring that. Um, It'll bring sort of a whole new dimension to it, I think. In, actually, issue three, you can see there is uh, the Kiedis interview where the reporter L is interviewing Kiedis. And that's like interspersed. There's a, I think, what is there, like a page between each chapter of the Kitas interview. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that the Kiedis interview is actually inked by Jeff Felsham. And he's oh. the one that inked, um, he already inked the first chapter of book four. And I'm going to be handing him the second chapter of book four probably this weekend. Yeah, which will be, will have already happened by the time people are listening to this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And probably be all done by then. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, I'm sorry, right? Go ahead. Is what Lindsay wrote between two, when three started. She was talking about the world's changed around you, your environment changed, and you kind of changed the story. And you were talking a lot more about gentrification, which I'm guessing was probably in there in the beginning, but not as much. Yeah, I think that the series has evolved as my understanding and JL's understanding of these issues has deepened. You know, I think, you know, he described the sort of conceptualization of the pack as, you know, there were a lot of layers to it, but it was still a relatively simple idea. And we have, we've really gone deep into what makes that idea a reality in this world? I think also like the BLM movement, mm -hmm. we saw a lot of conversation happening that prior to that was not quite as out in the open in the mainstream zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of points that for us to talk about them, we felt we needed to slowly build up to those points. Yeah. And then, you know, boom, this movement erupted and became like very much like you couldn't look at any social media without learning something, you know, without seeing something, without hearing like people's stories and, and opinions and lived experiences. And so it was like, okay, maybe we need to not like do the slow ramp up to these points. Maybe we need to just kind of, you know, hit the gas and go with yeah. it a little. Um, and so I think the, the climate around talking about it changed. And mm -hmm. so we didn't want to be behind on that. We wanted to be ahead on that. We wanted to push the envelope. We wanted to be part of the progress, not, you know, riding its coattails. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, you guys have never shied away from these conversations in your storylines, in, in your books. So, you know, putting it right there for everyone to see, I mean, it, it, uh, it if you open up page, the issue three, it is big, bold letters across that barricade. <laughs> you know, yeah. you cannot yeah. miss the statement being made there. Um, yeah. We, we like to tell nuanced stories, but we also have uh, strong opinions of our own <laughs> that may or may not come across. I don't know. <laughs> a little bit here and there. <laughs> I, I just saw it as a reflection of the world we're living in. I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't see either one of you being heavy-handed and like pushing your philosophy. I saw basically a reflection of what we're living in. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. for. That's what we want. But. Um, you know, we in the comic book industry, a lot of people still stick to old tropes and still talk about things the way they have been talked about and stay in their 
in their comfort zone. Um, and a lot of people have mistaken their comfort zone for their lane. Mm-hmm. And I think um, to be able to reflect the world that we're living in is sometimes an act of rebellion, you know, to be able to just be honest about what's going on, you know, uh, especially when people are like, ah, no, avoid those topics. Don't do that. Don't do this. Like, it's like, well, but why? <laughs> like, how, why would I make something if I'm going to just kind of hide what it is inside no. itself? You know, like, it just doesn't make sense. You are correct. It's hard to change. It's hard to change your, your, your train of thought. You know, everybody's kind of put in it, but I also think it's important when you try to push, push an agenda, people fight back against it. They resist it. They push against it. I think when you basically show things, let them decide for themselves. Um, And I'm saying this in my own life. I, there's a lot of things I thought were how things were. I, I know I'm butchering this. But as time goes by, you meet people, you do things, you go to different places, you start realizing, no, there's got to be a better way than this. I mean, this is something that it constantly changes. You know, you look back on how you did think at one point and how you're thinking now. And it wasn't like a black and white thing where I just flipped a switch. Yeah. It's just slowly you look at it, see it. But especially these days, everybody thinks they're pretty concrete in their thinking. And they're one side's talking about the other side, saying the same thing. Yeah. But um, not that the results are the same, but they're thinking to me, it seems like they're saying the same thing about each each other. But I think when you talk to people, you have to talk with some sympathy and sure. let them understand it. Which again, when I'm reading this, that's where um that's where it was coming from for me. I didn't see you pushing anything. I didn't see you pushing an agenda. I saw you bagging on your coffee, which Rook asked. <laughs> hey, if you're gonna make fun of anyone, make fun of yourself, right? <laughs> well, I'm joking about that. You have a sponsor, you know, which is kind of how you're pushing this. Oh, you can't say that about the sponsor. You got to stop. And you were <laughs> lambasting this right and left. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and That's I just want to say, sponsor. <laughs> real, real quick to any listeners, okay? When you get on their Kickstarters, you have an opportunity to buy Tarmux coffee. Yeah. Do it because you will not <laughs> And okay? it is actually very good. Patience is just very good coffee. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, exactly what you were just saying, Don, about letting people make up their own minds. It feels really important um, to me in my storytelling. Like I, I don't, I've never found that when someone, you know, walked up to me and told me that I was wrong about something that I was like, Oh yeah, you know what? You're right. That, that's <laughs> not how that goes. And um, Dale and I actually were just, we listened to an audiobook recently. I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> called the survival of the friendliest. Um, it's by Brian Hare and Vanessa Woods. And so good. They're, they're talking about how humans and um, the, many of the great apes have done really well from an evolutionary perspective because we're social. And so we learn how to get along with each other rather than fighting about everything and that friendliness actually gets you farther. Um, 
and is is better for the species. And so there's a lot of science in there. And toward the end of the book, they start talking about how arguing with people and getting up on a soapbox and, you know, being loudly opinionated actually, according to all the research, does very little to sway people. In fact, it often makes people double down and stronger in their opinions. So when you're yelling at someone for thinking something that you believe they shouldn't be thinking or espousing an opinion that you believe is, you know, a nonsense opinion, you yelling at them is more likely going to cause them to actually feel more correct. They will have the adverse, you know, response that you would hope for, right? right? So like, yeah. But however, stories, storytelling tends to be the most effective way to get people to think differently. And they were saying, you know, exposure in general, like being friends with someone from a different background, you know, is one way to be like, oh, maybe not all people from that background are subhuman, you know, like, and then that changes. And then, you know, um, exposure to this, exposure to that. But the biggest problem is we can't all have exposure to everything. But through stories, we can have exposure to everything plus we can have exposure to things that don't even exist and if you can find compassion for a character that's suffering problems in sci-fi that don't even aren't even things that exist on earth you can extend that Mm -hmm. to things that are closer to you on earth you know and it's this idea that just getting to realize that like difference isn't a bad thing that's what kind of bridges those gaps, you know? Um, And I think, you know, Don, like you said, approaching it with sympathy, ultimately, right? So in our storytelling, we try to approach it with sympathy and honesty. Um, And I do feel like that's an agenda. My agenda is (laughs) love and kindness. Spreading love and kindness is my agenda. Approaching things with sympathy and honesty. Well, and I think that Actually, Pack is a really strong example of approaching things, you know, with compassion because there's a lot of characters in Pack, especially the human characters, that are not, you know, they're not great people, but they're also not black and white, cut and dry villains. They've all got their reasons. And, you know, as much as sometimes you want to cast people who are doing things you don't approve of in the villain category, and maybe they are for you. Most of the time, that's not how people operate. Everybody thinks that they're doing what they're doing for a good reason, whether it's, you know, for the good of the world or for the good of their, you know, bottom line. They do have reasons. And there are a few buttheads, though. There definitely are a few people (laughs) that have just embraced being a butthead and are just out to be the buttheadiest butthead they can. Right. You know, like. Right. And that's a real thing also. Mm -hmm. But they also believe that that's right, that it's great that you know those often those people you find are like well everyone is a butthead so you might as well just win (laughs) at being a butthead yeah you know and that's a justification that people use to tell themselves that it's right to be a butthead and i'm like okay you think you're right in your story but that's not the story i want to live all right so the award for most iterations of the word butthead in a single episode (laughs) 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 good job jail good job (laughs) 
<laughs> well, just trying not to swear. You know, I don't want you to have to go peeping things. We um, one thing I liked all the people in the story. I mean, there was a couple that I felt need to take take to the side. And say, look, knock this off. Yeah, um, I will talk with them. There was one where I thought, okay, you're you're getting. I'm not going to go into. I don't want to spoil it, but there was one I didn't. I didn't dislike the person. I could see what was happening, but I thought that one, something needs to come up and guide it. But I liked all, all, all the police. I liked all the people in it. Sometimes I read it. I'm thinking, well, it's like we just spoke about. You got an agenda. Maybe it's not better for everybody, but there wasn't anybody. I I like all the characters, but the one cop. Well, there's that one guy. That's what I was talking about. That's one where you take to the side and say, look, knock this off, you know. I would send Rook over there to straighten him out. So look, <laughs> be doing this, knock it off. You know, hey, Rook, but, why are you wearing that mask? <laughs> why you got all those dogs? Why you got a dog mask on? <laughs> I don't know if I do it so harsh, but. <laughs> so, I want to jump back for a second and talk about issue one. Cool. The first few pages of issue one are done without any text at all, and it's it's. Just humility's story. Mm. How how much of a conscious decision was that to do those first few pages without without text behind it and just show? Oh no, dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, well, no dialogue. Right, right. Um, I thought he's looking through it. Right so, now. and this is interesting. So the first eight pages was. I had pretty much written before Lindsay decided to take this on yeah, they as were, the writer. They were so pretty much scripted, and we Lindsay worked on it together. But workshopped it with me, yeah. you know. Um, but the idea there was like, you know, any uh, dog or cat or animal that I've taken in, and I have done some work in relocating abused animals. Um, they can't tell you what their story is but you see hints you see clues you know like when when chalathor our cat who is now 16 when he's 15 when he showed up he was eight um and we have the only information we could get off his chip was how old he was legally that's the only information they could give us and the people who the chip was registered to before that, um, they didn't update their phone numbers, their email, their home address. So he was just, after 30 days, they were like, hey, either the cat's yours or it goes to, you know, a shelter. Um, you know, here's some suggestions on trying to find a no-kill shelter. And we were like, well, heck that. He's our cat, you know. Yeah. We're his humans. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of strange nuances to be his behavior and things yeah, that we've never seen cat. in any <laughs> other cats. And we'll never know. He can't he can't in spoken human language tell us, hey, this is what I went through. This is how I was raised. This is what's up. This is why I do that. This is why I don't like this. And so I think um, with a story about dogs telling their backstory, I mean, anything that a human has to say there is it's supposition and it's unreliable narration right Mm -hmm. and so having the narration boxes specifically be in patience's voice and him admitting while he's narrating that he doesn't really know but this is 
like this is what we do know this is what happened this is what i guess these are the pieces i put together um that kind of i feel like does a service to the dog in a way um by making it by making the dog's truth more um you know more palpable to the the reader like this truth of this being that you can't know you can't understand all you can do is have compassion for its pain and the mystery and then ultimately the pack is able to suss out what happened and it's like heck yeah but (laughs) still i wanted there to be that moment where it's like dang like it's just you and the dog it's just you and humility you know and we try to keep up that that sort of idea where throughout the series you're you're hearing what patience knows about the dogs and what he can try to infer but he doesn't really know everything that yeah. went down either and we do have a little bit of like god power as the creators we can show things but we can't put words to all of it that you know even in situations where you know the dogs may have heard things and been spoken to or spoken around they don't know what all those words mean so a lot of what we see when it's just through the dog's perspective you know we we can only get so much information and we try to keep it as as close to that as we can um and still tell the story yeah yeah my next question was going to be why why the narration from patients but you've already answered that so i you know i i think it's a brilliant piece of art and writing uh combined to do that you know uh because like you said you really can't know you can make assumptions and you can assume and you can put the pieces together and uh you know it's i think the backstories of each dog is what's hitting me a lot as i go through this book and you know well minus temperance (laughs) uh i have seen both of those scenarios in -hmm. person uh so it's 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 fascinating to see what i've gone what i've experienced and seen and been able to put together and piece together as a rescuer put into pages in front of me you know uh again I tip my hat. Oh, thank you. It, it is like detective work. Like, uh, we can tell you that our cat likes vegetarian food, <laughs> loves car rides, and enjoys being around, like, large groups of people. And big so, dogs. And big dogs. Little dogs he does not like, but big dogs he loves. <laughs> so all we can infer is that he probably lived on a bus with a bunch of hippies. <laughs> Because who else would feed, like, he likes squash, beans, cucumbers, so mushrooms. Weird. Like, if you were cutting a cucumber, he will fight <laughs> He will come you. running. He will come running, and he will <laughs> fight you for that cucumber. Right? Our old cat used to do that. Really? Pizza, strawberries. pretzels. Strawberries? Oh, wild. Squash, wild. any kind of squash, he will just tackle you. Yeah. So, you know, that that's all the information that we have to go on are these very incongruous things that most cats do not like. He loves. Um, Our other cat is always just like, why, why are you eating beans? What is wrong with you? <laughs> like, he just looks at him like, like, oh, Chow's eating something. Let me get some. And then he comes over and he's like, you're eating beans? What? It's like, betrayal. What <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, so we're we're coming up on the end here, but I I want you guys oh, just boy. let everybody know Keep where can, 
Where can everybody find issue four of Pack? We have it um, on hopefully live right now as you're listening to this. Uh, on Kickstarter. Kickstarter.oneshipress.com. And if you happen to be listening to this before or after the campaign, you can still use that URL and it will take you to what we're doing on Kickstarter currently. So you can find us that way no matter what. That is our evergreen um, Kickstarter URL. So whatever project we're working on at the moment, that will be the URL for it on Kickstarter. Yeah. But pack issues one through four, you'll be able to get all of them on this campaign, are going to be live on Kickstarter from February 1st to the 29th. Uh, we decided to do the whole month of February, and it's a leap year, so we get an extra day. <laughs> hey. Yeah, win-win. <laughs> and then, of course, you can get um, any pack stuff also through our website, oneshipress.com. So that's O-N-E-S-H-I-P-R-E-S-S.com. And so there's kickstarter.oneshipress.com goes to our latest Kickstarter, whatever it is. Right now, that's pack one through four. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Trust me, everybody, when I tell you that you don't want to miss this. This is an absolutely fantastic read. Uh, I personally cannot tell you how much it affects me reading these books. Uh, like As I've said multiple times on this episode, uh, being a dog rescuer, this is a fantastic read. And if you, if you support anything, support Oneshi 100%. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having us on. You guys are awesome. We love talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. We love oh, you. No problem. All right, everybody. Um, we always use fake comic book covers to announce a new episode on the Facebook page and the Facebook group. If you like to create, draw, paint, anything you like, uh, we'll take it as a cover. Uh, we can't pay you for it because we're completely broke, but it'll be yours to own. And if you allow us to, we'll add it to the cover gallery of the blog. A lot of people enjoy these. We don't have a guest. We always have a musical spotlight. Uh, if you can do anything on an MP3, send it in. And we'll be happy to play it. Rook gets upset when I play the same stuff all the time. And on the sidebar of the you blog. You say that. I know I don't. <laughs> well, there were a couple of times where I wasn't scared. <laughs> you know, playing this person again? I'm sorry, Rook. <laughs> anyway, on the sidebar of the blog, we sell T-shirts. We have three designs. It's not to make us rich. It's just to help us with the hosting fees, which comes up every year. Listen to the show. Wear the shirts. Rook? Everybody, check out bunchofdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. You can find examples of everything we talked about on this episode and past episodes. But until next time, everybody. Read. More. Comics! <laughs> You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click, click on, on the Cyclops. True Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.